The Great River Shakespeare Festival presents The Tragedy of Macbeth, Episode 2, previously on Macbeth. All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Glams. All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor. All hail Macbeth, that shalt be king hereafter. We will establish our estate upon our eldest Malcolm, whom we name hereafter the Prince of Cumberland. The Prince of Cumberland. That is a step on which I must fall down, or else or leap, for in my way it lies. Only look up clear. To alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. Act One, Scene Six. At the gate of Dunsinane Castle, Macbeth's home. Enter King Duncan. Malcolm. Donalbane. Banquo. Lennox. Macduff. And Ross. This castle hath a pleasant seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. This guest of summer, the temple-haunting martlet, does approve by his loved mansionry that the heaven's breath smells wooingly here. No, Jutty. Freeze, buttress, nor coin of vantage, but this bird hath made his pendant bed and procreant cradle. Where they most breed and haunt, I have observed the air is delicate. Enter Lady Macbeth. See, see our honored hostess. The love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we thank as love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God ild us for your pains and thank us for your trouble. All our service, in every point twice done and then done double, were poor and single business to contend against those honors deep and broad wherewith your majesty loads our house. For those of old and the late dignities heaped up to them, we rest your hermits. Where's the Thane of Cawdor? We coursed him at the heels and had a purpose to be his purveyor. But he rides well, and his great love, sharp as his spur, hath hope him to his home before us. Fair and noble hostess, we are your guest tonight. Your servants ever have theirs, themselves, and what is theirs in count, to make their audit at your highness' pleasure, still to return your own. Give me your hand. Conduct me to mine host. We love him highly, and shall continue our graces towards him. By your leave, hostess. Act One, Scene Seven. Sounds of a banquet in the next room. Enter Macbeth. If it were done when tis done, then twere well it were done quickly. If the assassination could trammel up the consequence and catch with his surcease success, that but this blow might be the be-all and the end-all here, but here, Upon this bank and shoal of time, we jump the life to come. But in these cases, we still have judgment here, that we but teach bloody instructions, which, being taught, return to plague the inventor. This even-handed justice commends the ingredients of our poison chalice to our own lips, He's here in double trust. First, as I am his kinsman and his subject, strong both against the deed. Then, as his host, 
who should against his murderer shut the door, not bear the knife myself? Besides, this Duncan hath borne his faculties so meek, hath been so clear in his great office, that his virtues will plead like angels, trumpet-tongued against the deep damnation of his taking off. And pity? Like a naked newborn babe striding the blast, or heaven's cherubim, horsed upon the sightless couriers of the air, shall blow the horrid deed in every eye, that tears shall drown the wind. I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other. Enter Lady Macbeth. How now? What news? He has almost supped. Why have you left the chamber? Have he asked for me? No, you not he has. We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Was the hope drunk, wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since, and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? From this time such I account thy love. Art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemst the ornament of life, and live a coward in thine own esteem, letting I dare not wait upon I would, like the poor cat in the adage? Prithee, peace. I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. What beast was then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man. And to be more than what you were, you would be so much more the man. Nor time nor place did then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and that their fitness now does unmake you. I have given suck, and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me. I would while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out had I so sworn as you have done to this. If we should fail... We fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place and will not fail. When Duncan is asleep, whereto the rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him... His two chamberlains will I with wine and wassail so convince that memory, the warder of the brain, shall be a fume and the receipt of reason a limbic only. When in swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in a death, what cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy officers who shall bear the guilt of our great quell? Bring forth men, children only, for thy undaunted metal should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received when we have marked with blood those sleepy two of his own chamber and used their very daggers that they have done it? Who dares receive it other, as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon his death? I am settled and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away, and mock the time with fairest show. 
false face must hide what the false heart doth know. Act two, scene one. Enter Banquo. And Fleant with the torch. How goes the night, boy? The moon is down. I have not heard the clock. And she goes down at twelve. I take it tis later, father. <laughs> Hold. Take my sword. There's husbandry in heaven. The candles are all out. Take thee that, too. A heavy summons lies like lead upon me, and yet I would not sleep. Merciful powers restrain in me the cursed thoughts that nature gives way to in repose. Enter Macbeth. And a servant with a torch. Give me my sword. Who's there? A friend. What? (laughs) Sir, not yet at rest. The king's abed. He hath been in unusual pleasure, and sent forth great largesse to your offices. This diamond he greets your wife withal, by the name of most kind hostess, and shut up in measureless content. Being unprepared, our will became the servant to defect, which else should free have wrought. All's well. I dreamt last night of the three weird sisters. To you they have showed some truth. Think not of them. Yet when we can entreat an hour to serve, we would spend it in some words upon that business, if you would grant the time. At your kindest leisure. If you shall cleave to my consent when tis, it shall make honor for you. So I lose none in seeking to augment it, but still keep my bosom franchised and allegiance clear, I shall be counseled. Good repose the while. Thanks, sir. Well, the like to you. Exit Banquo. And Fleance. Go bid thy mistress. When my drink is ready, she strike upon the bell. Exit servant. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not fatal vision? Sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? I see thee yet in form as palpable as this which now I draw. Thou marshalest me the way that I was going, and such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fools of the other senses, or else worth all the rest. I see thee still, and on thy blade and dudgeon gouts of blood, which was not so before. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs thus to mine eyes. Now over the one half world, nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtained sleep. Witchcraft celebrates pale Hecate's offerings, and withered murder, alarmed by his sentinel, the wolf, whose howls his watch, thus with his stealthy pace, with Tarquin's ravishing strides toward his design, moves like a ghost. 
Thou sure and firm set earth, hear not my steps which way they walk, for fear thy very stones prayed of my whereabout, and take the present horror from the time which now suits with it. Whilst I threat, he lives. Words to the heat of deeds to cold breath gives. I go, and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. Act Two, Scene Two, Inside the Castle, Night. Enter Lady Macbeth. That which hath made them drunk hath made me bold. What hath quenched them hath given me fire. Hark! Peace. It was the owl that shrieked, the fatal bellman which gives the sternest good night. He is about it. The doors are open, and the surfeited grooms do mock their charge with snores. I have drugged their possets that death and nature do contend about them whether they live or die. Who's there? What ho? Alack, I am afraid they have awaked, and tis not done. The attempt and not the deed confounds us. Hark! I laid their daggers ready. He could not miss him. Had he not resembled my father as he slept, I had done it. Enter Macbeth. My husband? I have done the deed. Didst thou not hear a noise? I heard the owl scream and the crickets cry. Did not you speak? When? Now. As I descended? I. Hark! Who lies in the second chamber? Donalbane. This is a sorry sight. A foolish thought to say a sorry sight. There's one did laugh in his sleep, and one cried murder that they did wake each other. I stood and heard them, that they did say their prayers and address them again to sleep. There are two lodged together. One cried, God bless us, and amen the other as they'd seen me with these hangmen's hands. Listening their fear, I could not say amen when they did say God bless us. Consider it not so deeply. But wherefore could I not pronounce amen? I had most need of blessing, and amen stuck in my throat. These deeds must not be thought after these ways, so it will make us mad. I thought I heard a voice cry, sleep no more. Macbeth does murder sleep. The innocent sleep. Sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care. The death of each day's life. Sore labor's bath, balm of hurt minds. Great nature's second course, chief nourisher in life's feast. What do you mean? Still it cried. Sleep no more to all the house. Gloms has murdered sleep, and therefore Cawdor shall sleep no more. Macbeth shall sleep no more. Who was it that thus cried? Why, worthy Thane, you do unbend your noble strength to think so brain-sickly of things. Go, get some water, and wash this filthy witness from your hand. Why did you bring these daggers from the place? They must lie there. Go, carry them, and smear the sleepy grooms with blood. I'll go no more. I'm afraid to think on what I have done. Look, aunt, I dare not. 
infirm of purpose, give me the daggers. The sleeping and the dead are but as pictures. Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil. If he do bleed, I'll gild the faces of the grooms withal, for it must seem their guilt. Exit Lady Macbeth. Whence is that knocking? How is't with me when every noise appalls me? What hands are here? Ah, oh, they pluck out mine eyes. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? No. This my hand will rather the multitudinous seas incarnadine, making the green one red. Enter Lady Macbeth, her hands covered in blood. My hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so white. I hear a knocking at the south entry. Retire we to our chamber. A little water clears us of this deed. How easy is it then? Your constancy hath left you unattended. Hark, more knocking. Get on your nightgown, lest occasion call us and show us to be watchers. Be not lost so poorly in your thoughts. To know my deed, twere best not know myself. Wake Duncan with thy knocking. I would thou couldst. Act two, scene three. The castle gate, morning. Enter Porter. Here's a knocking indeed. Huh. If a man were Porter of Hellgate, he should have old turning the key. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there in the name of Beelzebub? Here's a farmer that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. Come in time. Have napkins enough about you. Here, you'll sweat for it. Knock, knock. Who's there in the other devil's name? Faith, here's an equivocator that could swear in both the scales against either scale, who committed treason enough for God's sake, yet could not equivocate to heaven. Oh, come in, equivocator. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Faith, here's an English tailor come hither for stealing out of a French hose. Come in, tailor. Here you may roast your goose. Knock, knock, never act quiet. What are you? But this place is too cold for hell. I'll devil port it no further. I had thought to have let in some of all professions that go the primrose way to the everlasting bonfire. Anon, anon. Enter Macduff. And Lennox. I pray you remember the porter. Was it so late, friend, ere you went to bed that you do lie so late? Faith, sir, we were carousing till the second cock, and drink, sir, is a great provoker of three things. What three things does drink especially provoke? Marry, sir, nose painting, sleep, and urine. Lechery, sir, it provokes and unprovokes. It provokes the desire, but takes away the performance. Therefore, much drink may be said to be an equivocator with lechery. It makes him and it mars him. It sets him on and it takes him off. It persuades him and disheartens him. Makes him stand to and not stand to. 
In conclusion, equivocates him in a sleep and giving him the lie, leaves him. I believe drink gave thee the lie last night. <laughs> that it did, sir, in the very throat on me. But I requited him for his lie, and I think, being too strong for him, though he took up my leg some time, yet I made a shift to cast him. Is thy master stirring? Enter Macbeth. Our knocking has awaked him. Here he comes. Exit Porter. Good morrow, noble sir. Good morrow, Lennox. Good Macduff? Is the king stirring, worthy thane? Not yet. He did command me to call timely on him. I have almost slipped the hour. I'll bring you to him. I know this is a joyful trouble to you, but yet tis one. The labor we delight in physics pain. This is the door. I'll make so bold to call, for tis my limited service. Exit Macduff. Goes the king hence today? He does. He did appoint so. The night has been unruly. Where we lay, our chimneys were blown down, and as they say, lamentings heard in the air, strange screams of death, and prophesying with accents terrible of dire combustion, of confused events, new hatched to the woeful time. The obscure bird clamored the livelong night. Some say the earth was feverous and did shake. Twas a rough night. My young remembrance cannot parallel a fellow to it. Oh, horror, horror, horror. Tongue nor heart cannot conceive nor name thee. What's, what's the matter? What's the matter? Confusion now hath made his masterpiece. Most sacrilegious murder hath broke ope the Lord's anointed temple and stole thence the life of the building. What is to you say? The life? Mean you his majesty? Approach the chamber and destroy your sight with a new gorgon. Do not bid me speak. See, and then speak yourselves. Exit Macbeth. And Lennox. Awake! Awake! Ring the alarm bell! Murder and treason! Banquo and Donalbane! Malcolm, awake! Shake off this downy sleep, death's counterfeit, and look on death itself. Up, up, and see the great doom's image. Malcolm, Banquo! as from your graves rise up and walk like sprites to countenance this horror. Enter Lady Macbeth. What's the business that such a hideous trumpet calls to parley the sleepers of the house? Speak, speak! Oh, gentle lady, tis not for you to hear what I can speak. The repetition in a woman's ear would murder as it fell. Enter Banquo. Oh, Banquo, Banquo, our royal masters murdered. Whoa! Alas! What? In our house? Too cruel anywhere. Dear Duff, I prithee contradict thyself and say it is not so. Enter Macbeth. Lennox. And Ross. Had I but died an hour before this chance, I had lived a blessed time. For from this instant, there's nothing serious in mortality. All is but toys. Renown and grace is dead. The wine of life is drawn, and the mere lees is left this vault to brag of. Enter Malcolm. And Donalbane. What is amiss? You are, and do not know it. The spring, the head, the fountain of your blood is stopped. The very source of it is stopped. Your royal father's murdered. Oh, by whom? Those of his chamber, as it seemed, had done their hands and faces were all badged with blood. 
so were their daggers, which unwiped we found upon their pillows. They stared and were distracted. No man's life was to be trusted with them. Oh, yet I do repent me of my fury that I did kill them. Wherefore did you so? Who can be wise, amazed, temperate and furious, loyal and neutral in a moment? No man. The expedition of my violent love outran the pauser. Reason? Here lay Duncan, his silver skin laced with his golden blood, and his gashed stabs looked like a breach in nature for ruin's wasteful entrance. They're the murderers, steeped in the colors of their trade, their daggers unmannerly breached with gore. Who could refrain that had a heart to love, and in that heart courage to make his love known? Help me hence. Oh. Look to the lady. Why do we hold our tongues? that most may claim this argument for ours. What should be spoken here, where our fate, hid in an auger hole, may rush and seize us? Let's away. Our tears are not yet brewed. Nor our strong sorrow upon the foot of motion. Look to the lady, and when we have our naked frailties hid, that suffer in exposure, let us meet and question this most bloody piece of work to know it further. Fears and scruples shake us. In the great hand of God I stand, and thence against the undivulged pretense I fight of treasonous malice. And so do I. So all. Let's briefly put on manly readiness and meet in the hall together. Well contented. Well contented. Exit all but Malcolm. And Donalbane. What will you do? Let's not consort with them. To show an unfelt sorrow is an office which the false man does easy. I'll to England. To Ireland, I, Our separated fortune shall keep us both the safer. Where we are, there's daggers in men's smiles. The near in blood, the nearer bloody. This murderous shaft that shot hath not yet lighted, and our safest way is to avoid the aim. Therefore to horse. And let us not be dainty of leave-taking, but shift away. There's warrant in that theft which steals itself when there's no mercy left. Next time on Macbeth. It will have blood, they say. Blood will have blood. This has been a production of the Great River Shakespeare Festival. This activity is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Minnesota State Arts Board thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.